I had planned to start this morning's sermon by telling you that snakes creep me out more than any of God's creations. But then I thought about slugs and snails, earthworms, jellyfish, voles. I mean, the whole, the whole list can go really long of just weird and kind of gross things. Not to say that God's creations are gross, but... You know, snakes are pretty high up on that list. And the thought of piles of poisonous snakes really creeps me out. And the chosen people find themselves in just such a situation in today's reading from Numbers, surrounded by poisonous snakes. And while this may be an uncomfortable thought for people who, like me, believe in a loving, gentle God, the scripture says that God sends poisonous snakes among the people. Of course, being snakes, they bite the people so that many Israelites die. And while this is not clearly made the connection, we can probably guess that the snakes are sent as punishment for the people's complaints against God. As often happens during Israel's 40-year journey in the desert, they complain loudly and frequently. They whine first that they have no food, and then they whine that the food they have is miserable. So God sends those poisonous snakes to afflict and bite many people. It's amazing how quickly the Israelites realize their sins. Snakes make that happen pretty quickly, I guess. The people go to Moses with deep apologies to him and to God. They beg Moses to pray to God so that God will take away the serpents from them. And like any good leader, Moses prays to God on behalf of the people. God's response, though, is interesting to say the least, but probably not what the people are seeking. Because God doesn't banish the snakes. God does not suddenly turn the snakes into cuddly little stuffed animals. Instead, God gives a way to life for the people who are bitten by those nasty, slimy, poisonous snakes. God gives Moses these directions. Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. God does not say that the snakes are suddenly going to disappear or even stop biting people. Instead, God shows a way to be healed, a way to life for snake bite victims. Moses, again like a faithful servant, follows God's directions, makes a serpent of bronze, and puts it on a pole. And as God promises, the sight of the snake brings healing to the people bitten by the snakes. The snakes continue to bite, but God's healing becomes available. God gives a way to life for the people. The way to life comes in sort of a strange way, however, because in order to survive being bitten by a snake, the people have to look at a snake. To avoid dying, the people have to look at the thing threatening to take their life. It works, of course, and and we hear that whenever a serpent bites someone, that person looks at the serpent of bronze and lives. 
This concept of looking at the thing threatening to kill you in order to be healed takes on new meaning in the life of Christ. The teaching we receive today is given to the person of Nicodemus. Remember him? He's the leader of the Jewish people who comes to see Jesus in the middle of the night. It was dangerous for him, but Nicodemus saw new hope and new love and new light and a way to new life in that somewhat strange and definitely radical teacher, Jesus. Yes, today's reading contains that very famous verse, John 3.16. Today, however, I was drawn to the first two verses, the ones that come right before John 3.16. Because Jesus begins this part of his teaching to Nicodemus by reminding Nicodemus of the serpent in the wilderness, the serpent that God commands Moses to fashion to provide a way to life for those dying of a snake bite. As a teacher of Judaism, we have to guess that Moses was, uh, excuse me, that Nicodemus was probably familiar with the story of Moses and the healing snake. But then Jesus, as he often does, turns the story of the healing snake on its head. Listen again to what Jesus says. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. It's safe to guess that Jesus is talking about his upcoming crucifixion that will end his life. A crucifixion that will see him lifted up from the earth on a cross, a crucifixion that would have been scandalous, a scandalous way to die if not for the reason behind it. Most Christians agree that Christ's death is somehow related to eternal life, even if we use different language to describe it. And just as seeing the serpent raised on the pole brought a way to life for the people dying from a snake bite, so too does seeing Jesus on the cross bring a way to life for the people dying from their sins. There is a different difference, though, actually kind of a big difference between the Israelites' experience of healing with the snake on a pole and the Christians' experience of healing with Jesus on the cross. When the people are given a way to life, a way to survive a snake bite, the people are indeed healed, but they do eventually die. There is no promise of eternal life in that promise of healing from a snake bite. Most Christians believe, however, that the only promise to eternal life is in Jesus Christ. In his life and ministry, death and resurrection, and instead of looking at a snake for our healing, we must look at and believe in the cross of Christ. Looking at the cross of Christ forces us to confront the source of our suffering, our sins. And as difficult as it can be to confront our sins by gazing at the suffering Christ on the cross, maybe we can find a little glimmer of hope in the promise that Jesus shares with Nicodemus.
Whoever believes in Jesus may have eternal life. The way to life that God promises through belief in Christ is a way of grace, a way of mercy, a way of peace, a way of faith, a way of love. And as many sins as we commit, God promises a way to life through belief in Christ. So if you feel like you're suffering from a spiritual snake bite this morning, and if you feel burdened by your sins, I invite you to look at and believe in the cross of Christ. And as hard as it might be to confront our sins, God provides healing and a way to life through belief in Jesus. In just a moment, we will kneel in confession of our sins, and I invite you to look up at the cross of Christ, knowing and trusting and believing that eternal life is possible. Forgiveness is possible, healing is possible, and a way to life is possible in Christ. Amen. Amen.